So we are in the second week of a four-week series where we're going to look at the person of Moses uh, to try to challenge us to stop and think about our own uh, relationship with God. Uh, what can we learn from him? Um, and I told you last week, we could probably do, we could probably spend all year long on the person of Moses. There's so many things from his story I would encourage you to go and, and read uh, because there's so many things that we can, we can take from our own relationship. Uh, I don't know about you, I, I am the baby in my family, so I have an older brother and an older sister. Uh, how many of you have older siblings? All right, a uh, good many of you. Uh, if you're like me, uh, you learned a lot from your older siblings. Uh, a lot of times you learned what to do, and more often than not, you learned what not to do, right? Uh, I, I tell my brother, I am so thankful for him uh, because I watched all of his mistakes. I watched all of the things that he got caught to do, caught doing, and I just did them better. Uh, I wished I could say that I did them opposite, but I did not. I, I sometimes just figured out a way to better hide it or whatever it may be. But, but I did learn a lot from, from my siblings. I tell you that because Moses is one of those people who... You can learn a lot from Moses about what he did. Last week, we talked about the burning bush, and we talked about how he, he stopped and he went over and he stopped what he was doing in his normal task, and he listened to God. Uh, so there's a lot of things in Moses that we can learn from what he did. But I would also tell you that there's a lot of things that we can learn from Moses of what he did not do. Uh, and today, I want to focus primarily on that aspect of Moses' life. If you've got your Bibles, a couple people waved their Bibles at me when they came in, so we're starting a movement, uh, which is to bring your Bibles to church. But uh, go ahead and turn into Exodus chapter 4. We'll get to it in a minute, but that way you'll already be there. Um, my singular point, a lot of times preachers have three points. We only have one today, but we're going to spend the entire time on that one singular point, which is that the omnipotent power of God often flows through obedience rooted in faith. The omnipotent power of God often flows through obedience rooted in faith. Now I will remind you if you were here and if you weren't you can go back and listen to the message but in Exodus chapter 3 in the burning bush God finally reveals himself to us. He tells us his name. He says I am who I am. Uh, I am the all-powerful God. Uh, and so we begin to see Moses' response to God. If you remember last week, he began to talk a little bit about, but, Lord. Uh, and he would kind of use his justifications and his... We continue to see this as we move into chapter 4. Now, when we read chapter 4, Moses says, but, Lord, they're not going to believe me. And then God begins to give him these things that he can do. He can go and throw a rod down onto the ground, his shepherd's rod, and it's going to turn into a snake, and then he's going to tell him to pick the snake up. And when he picks the snake up, it goes back into a shepherd's rod. He's going to tell him to put his hand inside his coat. And when he pulls his hand out, it's full of leprosy. And he says, put it back in. And then when you pull it back out, it's completely healed. He tells him to take a cup of water from the Nile and pour it onto the ground and when it pours onto the ground it's going to turn into blood and we see this whole story take place but what's interesting is we we also see just a completely different side of Moses 
Had we read the story earlier, Moses was very much more of a, a young man. He was brash. He was educated. He knew all the secrets of Egypt. He tried to start a rebellion. But here where we get and find Moses, we have a completely different man because he's a man who is broken and he is a man who understands that he has limitations. And so we see a completely different side of Moses. Moses isn't this ferocious uh, young man that is just full of fire and full of passion. He's a man in his 80s and he's content with just staying with the sheep. We see someone totally different. And God, despite all of Moses' protest, is certain with gentle determination that Moses is the right man for the job. And so we begin to see this story play out. But what I want you to understand when you read Scripture, and you'll see it all the way through Scripture, that the Lord gives His word and power is shown after obedience the Lord gives his word and then the power is shown after obedience and so think about this story God's beginning to talk and tell Moses what to do and so he tells Moses to throw this shepherd's rod onto the ground and then to uh, and it turns into a snake and then he tells Moses to pick up the snake by a tail now I'm not the most outdoors person I know that's not very wise to pick a snake up by the tail. And you go, well, it was probably just a really gentle garden snake. Um, I don't think so. I mean, think about how the story is. Moses has been a shepherd for 40 years. He knows the ins and outs of the desert. He knows what's a cobra and he knows what's a gentle snake. And the scripture says that when he drops that shepherd rods on the ground, it turns into a snake. Moses runs. Moses is scared because Moses knows that's a dangerous, deadly snake. And God says, pick it up by its tail. What would you do? Yeah. See, that's where you really challenge the scripture when you stop and go, what do you do? What happens? Moses, rooted in faith, is obedient to God. And he reaches and picks up that snake by the tail. And it turns back into a shepherd's rod. And you see the power of God. Obedience rooted in faith. We don't like that. You don't like it, and I don't like it. We don't like it when God tells us to take a step that's risky, that's challenging, that might bring about failure. But Jesus, God, tells us to take that step anyway. We get nervous. And so what do we do? We begin to come up with reasons not to do it. Right? We, become, we justify our disobedience. It's exactly what Moses does. Look at what Moses, what happens in verse 1. Then Moses replied, But what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say to me, The Lord didn't appear to you. So here, Moses, Moses knew who he was. Moses knew that he was probably not a person that was very trustworthy. You may stop and think, okay, why? That, Moses, you've got to realize he was raised an Egyptian, but he was really a Hebrew. So the Egyptians didn't fully own him. And the Hebrews didn't fully claim him. So he knew that nobody really trusted him. So he looked at himself and he said, what, what if they don't believe me? I'm inefficient. I'm not the person that you need to, to have do this. 
what Moses is guilty of is Moses is guilty of letting his past block him from being obedient in the present. Think about that. He's guilty of letting his past block him from being obedient in the present. This plays out all the time in our lives, does it not? I mean, we, we look at what we've done, the mistakes that we've made, and we say, well, God couldn't use me in that way. What would people think? What, 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 would, what would people say about me if, if I claimed to be Christian or if I professed a certain faith? Look, I don't think that most all of us are called to be Moses, meaning we're supposed to call to, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, if you will. But I believe every single one of us is called to lead our families, to lead our grandchildren, to lead our communities, to lead our places of work in faith. We're called to be obedient Rooted in faith. But yet we let our past block us. I look at it this way and stop and think, you know, there are times where I snap at my wife and and, and then probably talk to her in a tone that I should not talk to her in. And so I look at that and go, and then something God would say to me, and you stop and go, well, okay, because I did that, I can't do this because that makes me a hypocrite. Folks, I hope we're all hypocrites. I hope you realize that. And that kind of gives us a little bit of peace and comfort to know that. We let our past block us from what God is calling us to do now. But here's what's great in this story. How does the Lord respond when Moses in his self-esteem or his low self-esteem, he challenges God? How How does God respond back to Moses? The Lord never speaks to Moses about his low self-esteem. He never speaks to his low self-esteem because he knows that the more he talks about that low self-esteem, probably the lower it's going to get. What does the Lord do? The Lord shows him a picture of a God that is bigger than his self-esteem, that transcends his self-esteem. So when when Moses begins to try to justify his disobedience of God, the Lord says, "Let let me give you some signs. And folks, these signs are not just like magic tricks. They're not signs that are just supposed for us to be wowed at God. These are signs that are supposed to teach the Egyptians. These are signs that are supposed to teach the Hebrew people. These are signs that are supposed to teach Moses. And these are signs that are supposed to teach you and I things about God. Let's look at them. In verse 2, the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Moses replied, a shepherd's rod. The Lord said, throw it down on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out and grab the snake by the tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned it back into a rod in his hand. Do this so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God, has in fact appeared to you. Now let me tell you what's important about this. On the Pharaoh's crown, do you know what would be on the Pharaoh's crown? A cobra. A cobra that would face out towards the people of Egypt. The Egyptians would have believed, and they would have taught all of the Hebrew people this, the Egyptians would have believed that when the Pharaoh puts the crown on and the cobra is facing the Egyptian people, that he is the most powerful man, the most powerful God on this earth. 
And so the Lord says, pick up, pick up the snake by its tail. What God is in essence is saying is, look, I'm not afraid of that power. I'm not afraid. I, I am more powerful than what the Egyptians and the Hebrews think are the most powerful man on earth. And Moses, in this moment, is obedient. We move on into leprosy in verse 6. Look at what it says. Again, the Lord said to Moses, put your hand inside your coat. So Moses put his hand inside his coat. When he took his hand out, his hand had a skin disease, flaky like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your coat. So Moses put his hand back inside his coat. When he took it back out again, the skin of his hand had returned to normal. Now in this period of history, leprosy was the scourge of mankind. They had no answer for leprosy. They had no cure. They put all of their wealth, they put all of their brightest minds into trying to figure out how to deal with this disease because it was a death sentence for anyone who got it. And so God says to Moses, put your hand in your coat, and when you pull it out, you're going to have stage four leprosy, death sentence. And then God says, put your hand back in your coat and pull it out. What's that tell us about God? God is saying to Moses and to the Egyptians and to the Hebrews and to you, God is saying what all of the brightest minds of Egypt are trying to do What they have spent all of their money and their wealth trying to figure out, I can do in a split second. I'm more powerful than what you believe is a powerful disease. And in this moment, Moses is obedient. And then we finally get the third sign, the Nile in verse 9. If they won't believe even these two signs or pay attention to you, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. The water that you take from the Nile will turn into blood on the dry ground. Now, you have to know that the Nile, um, in its high season, the Nile um, brings about 30 feet of black soil into into the desert basin. So think about that, 30 feet of black soil. This is where they get their wealth. This is where they get their fish. This is where they get their fowl. Uh, The Nile River is equated at this time. The Nile River is equated with power for the people of Egypt. Like people who are friendly to the United States, if you were to ask them what they would equate the United States with, today they would probably say freedom. If you had asked people back in this day, tell me something about Egypt, they would have said Nile, the Nile River. Uh, It's equated with power. The Nile is called the father of life, the mother of all, the divine spirit of the land unceasingly. And so what is God saying to Moses when he says, take this cup that is powerful and pour it out onto the ground? Now notice that the the, the water doesn't turn to blood in the cup. That would have been a little bit easier for Moses, don't you think? If he had taken the cup and all of a sudden it would have been blood and go, okay, look how cool this is. No. Pour it out and you've got to wait till it hits the ground for it to turn into blood. Moses in this moment is obedient. 
Again, showing the the power of God. These are stories to challenge all of us. When you think about your relationship with Jesus, is it rooted in obedience in faith? Is your life marked by obedience to God? I'm not asking if you're perfect. I'm not asking if you don't struggle. We all struggle and we're all not perfect. But is your life marked with a desire to be obedient to the Lord? And folks, this is a very, very important question that all of us need to challenge ourselves with. Because the church is full of people who claim to be Christian. But we have no marks of an obedient life. No obedience whatsoever. No desire for obedience. And you may think that seems a little bit strong. I could stand up here and tell you how wonderful you are. But the word of God challenges us to be uncomfortable in the fact that he calls us to be obedient. Rooted in faith. That's the mark of a Christian life. And so we don't want to just come and sit and listen to a church service. We want to to move all of us into active steps of obedience. We're not going to be perfect. That's the beauty of the cross and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But we have to seriously ask ourselves the question, are we being obedient to God? Are we being obedient to the Lord? We see in Moses someone who we go, well, gosh, it would be so easy if we just had a burning bush, wouldn't it? If you woke up in the morning and your dresser was on fire and God was speaking to you from the dresser, you would think, oh, this is just, this would be so easy to follow him like that. But yet Moses shows us that even in the burning bush or after the burning bush, it's still not so easy. Moses responds back to him, says, but Lord, and here's what's interesting is he uses a different word for Lord. He says, but Lord, you see, when God revealed himself, he said, I am who I am. But Moses responds, but Lord, using the word Adonai, which means master, sovereign, which means God is the master of everything. God is sovereign over everything. God's rule is over everything. And I am simply but a servant. And look at what he responds in verse 10. He says, but Moses said to the Lord, my Lord, I've never been able to speak well. Not yesterday, not the day before, and certainly not now since you've been talking to your servant. I have a slow mouth and a thick tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who gives the ability to speak? Who's responsible for making them unable to speak or hard of hearing, sighted or blind? Isn't it I, the Lord? Now go, I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what you should say. But Moses said, please, my Lord, just send someone else. Then the Lord got angry at Moses and said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak very well. He's, a, he's on his way out to meet you now, and he's looking forward to seeing you. Speak to him and tell him what he's supposed to say. I'll help both of you speak, and I'll teach both of you what to do. Aaron will speak for you to the people. He'll be a spokesperson for you, and you will be like God for him. Take this shepherd's rod with you, too, so that you can do the signs. So here's Moses, who, who claims God is Adonai, master, sovereign, Lord of all. But then Moses, 
lets his inadequacies trump God's power. Do you see that? There's nothing you can't do, is the word Adonai. There's nothing you can't do. And yet, I let my inadequacies stop. We let our inadequacies trump the omnipotence of God. That our failures trump the power of God. And then God kind of hits back at Moses. He says, you you just said that I'm Adonai. You just said that I was Lord. Who, who, Who makes mouths? Who gives people the ability to speak? You've got my name right. And if you believe who I am, do you actually trust me? Again, a challenge all of us should stop and go, do we, do we just claim God is Adonai? Or do we believe and live and trust as God is Adonai? The truth is all of us have some area of disobedience. I mean, there are some things that God calls us to do that we are quick to do, right? The things we like, the things we want. We're quick to jump in. But if God calls us to do something that is uncomfortable, we're quick to justify. We're quick to let our failures block the omnipotence of God. We're just like Moses. I ask you, is Jesus Lord of your life? I probably can't ask you a more important question. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Or is he just a convenient part of your life? Do you just call on him when you need him? Do you just let him help you in the areas that you want to give up? Or is he Lord? Let me ask you a few questions just to think about this morning. Is your relationship with God marked with a desire to be obedient? Is your relationship with God marked with a desire to be obedient? What areas of your life do you delay your obedience? I always think about delayed obedience. My children... Make up your bed. I can say it to them in the morning. I can say it to them in the afternoon. I could probably say it to them in the evening. Still waiting for the bed to be made up. Delayed obedience is nothing more than disobedience. Delayed obedience is nothing more than disobedience. What areas of your life are you holding back from God? Folks, we can begin to look at our lives and see whether God really is Lord. Lord of everything. We sang this morning that God is Lord of all. What areas of your life are you holding back from him being Lord of? Folks, there is joy in radical submission to Jesus Christ. And folks, there is a relationship with God that is dry, crusty, 
when you just know just enough about the joy to be miserable. And that's called religion. Jesus doesn't call us to be religious. He calls us to be obedient in faith. And that's when you see his power. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you. We thank you that you, that you call every one of us. And Lord, I pray that we can, in this moment, we can learn from Moses, who we can look and see was, was obedient to a point. But then in the midst of the story, he says, please send someone else. Lord, don't, don't let us, don't let that be our legacy from Moses. I pray, Lord, that you can help open our hearts to those areas of life that you're calling us to be obedient in, to trust you in, to make you Adonai over. And may we live as though we believe it so that we may experience the joy that you have for us in this lifetime and in life eternal. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.